You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. As we dive in fin too deep after a little bit of a hiatus, uh, I'm your host, Reason, and I'm back with my co-host, Neil Driscoll. Um, it's been quite an eventful hiatus in terms of just Dolphin news alone. The Stephen Ross allegations transpired, and they've continued to, you know, evolve to where we are today, where, you know, now he's suspended and has to pay a fine, and Bruce Beal looks like might be out as a successor for the Dolphins. On top of that, since our last time out, obviously Tua's been putting out highlight reel days in OTAs, training camps, and now in joint practices. So there's been a lot to build on in terms of hope and positivity for the Miami Dolphins since we last all spoke. Neil, how are you feeling? Oh, excited for season two of Finn do- Too Deep here. Um, as normal, the Dolphins are find themselves in the news quite often good news, bad news, and in, in every which way, um, you know, but I, I'm feeling really good, honestly, man, about this team heading into the season. Um, and, and I think you learn a lot when you practice with other teams and especially the teams, the caliber of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I know it's not, uh, you know, a, a professional NFL football game on a Sunday, but, you know, the Buccaneers have some really good players on that defense side of the ball, especially on the defensive line, right? And, you know, I, I come away really excited. It seems like their offensive line more than held their own. It sounds like our receivers, to no surprise, absolutely embarrassed the Bucks secondary. And there's a lot of people that would tell you that Carlton Davis is a top 10 corner in football. But, uh, dude, uh, Tyreek Hill doesn't think so. That's for sure. Um, and then to see the quarterback, right, um, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not going to pick any bones about it. There was times when I wavered onto it last year. Um, this is his revenge tour. And it's going to be a beautiful thing to see. I, I think it's going to be one of the biggest stories in the NFL this year. And he put in the work. He's confident. He's playing with energy and enthusiasm. His coaching staff believes in him. Oh, and they got weapons around him. And they invested the offensive line to protect him. Funny how that works, right? Funny how, you know, someone can hit their stride. And in the insurance world, there's something called the law of large numbers, right? And it's when insurance companies, you know, they they look at large sample sizes in order to predict predict losses, right? And the larger the sample size, the, the better accuracy they have at predicting losses, right? Like, I just feel like so many people were willing to write off any player, you know, namely two in this scenario, way too soon, way too off a small sample size, not looking at mitigating factors. I, I don't know about you. One of the guys I respect most in the industry when it comes to their breakdown of the quarterback position is Warren Sharp. Um, his sharp football guide is probably one of my top five favorite reads of the season. And, you know, what he kind of puts out there about Tua is what we all know as Dolphin fans, but I don't think teams, out, you know, fans outside the Dolphins fan base don't know. It's just how bad the offensive line was, how they were the worst in separation in football. 
um, how, you know, how he had a coaching staff who didn't believe in him coming off a catastrophic hip injury. You know what the problem is, though? A lot of us Dolphin fans, including me with Finside the NFL, my YouTube channel, I've listed these things, but we've had people in our own fan base who label that context as excuses. That's yep. the yep. issue that we've ran into. Even in our own – see, and that's my issue. When You know, we got a lot of smart people that we've respected, whether they've been former football players or whatever in the media. They've exposed themselves throughout this to a thing a little bit to, you know, us smart Dolphin fans where – you know, I, I, that's one of my most frustrating things with this fan base and with the media. Context labeled as excuses. Right. And, you know, when, when you're talking about guys who can make it work with no weapons and the and a historically bad offensive line, let's be honest, right? Like, since PFF started grading offensive line, they were historically the worst they, they've graded. One of the worst they've graded, right? So historically right. bad. Let's go there, okay? Three of the worst in terms can, can of pressure I, in NFL history. And, and, and let me ask you this, Neil. Look around the NFL landscape. There's 32 starting quarterbacks, okay? How many of those guys do you think can carry a team to the playoffs, let alone get a winning record with no weapons or, hold on, one weapon, Jalen Waddle, because um, even Kasicki did disappear. And we can blame it on the scheme. We can blame it on the coach. Whatever the case may be, you know, the article came out with Tua where he said the offense was basically designed for one person. If he wasn't if, if he wasn't open, play was basically dead. And, you know, a lot of people always ask me, Reason, do you remember that, that, that time last year where Gasecki made that big grab and he came to the sideline and he didn't get into his face. He got in Flores' face and said, see what happens when you throw me the football? And then when you read what Tua says about it's basically offense tailored to one guy, you know, you start adding things up here. But anyways, I digress. My whole thing is here, Neil, and I'm, this is not a rhetorical question. I want you to think about this. There's 32 starting quarterbacks in the NFL, all right? How many of them do you think can make the playoffs with no offensive line and no weapons? And before anyone says Tom Brady, might I remind everyone Tom Brady's last year in New England, all right? Why did they make the playoffs? Do you remember? Again, I'm going to use that word again, but it's true. Do you remember they were one of the historically great first-half defenses? Right. Remember yes. that? Absolutely. And so if they didn't have that historically first-half defense, we would have got that team we saw in the second half of the season, the one we beat with Fitzpatrick. And right then and there, I don't think Brady had – you know, they got knocked out right away by Ryan Tannehill because Brady didn't have enough. So how many guys – like? You know, Neil, if you count guys, how many could you count? Three. Three. Okay, uh, Rodgers is going to be one of them. So who are the other right. two? Mahomes. And I know okay. that he won because he, he did get to the Super Bowl. He without got to the, the Super line. Bowl. So I will give you that. He didn't right. win it, but he got and, to the Super Bowl with no O-line, which is still amazing. Well, and, and despite what you said, I do think Brady has taken some teams with Deion But Brandt they always had a good Brown. offensive line. Sure. Sure. Right? I mean, it, yeah. Until no, Scar left. I, I, until Scar left. And then they – until they lost their O-line coach of over 20 years, and then the offensive issue, line issues have started to happen. But, okay, so you got Tom Brady and Rodgers and, and maybe And maybe Josh Allen. I mean, I know that he has Stephon Diggs now, and he really improved. I, yeah. It's hard to say. I, I wouldn't say that their offensive line, it, it's solid. I wouldn't say it's Yeah, it's the middle of the pack. You know what I mean? Like, it's, a, but, it's but like middle we, of the pack. But the, other than those four, I don't think there's anyone. And, like, you know – my prediction for the Super Bowl MVP, and I'll probably get killed for this on Dolphins Twitter, I, I think Justin Herbert's going to win the league MVP this year. And 
I, I think Josh think, Allen's going to win it if he stays but healthy. He, but he hasn't carried his team to the playoffs. Justin Herbert hasn't, right? And you know, so and and he's. Brother, I'll speak. go on record right now. I've told people this privately. I've said it on Finside the NFL. Listen, Justin Herbert. That's what I don't get. Why everyone goo goo gagaing over him? All right. We had that with Marino, but Marino was better in clutch situations, okay? But oh, Marino, yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. We had the stats. We had the gaudy numbers. How many Super Bowls did it produce? You want the – I keep telling this, and you, you hear me harping it. Last year, you hear me harping into this season. You want a quarterback. The recipe for success is elite efficiency and a high football IQ. If you – that – you give me those two things – Oh, sorry. Elite efficiency, elite accuracy, and a high football IQ. You give me those three things, 10 times out of 10, he'll probably beat the big-armed, gaudy-numbered quarterback. Right. Yeah, I, yeah I, I'm with you. Um, and, and I and I think still think that all three of the quarterbacks in that class can be Girl's the best right now, though, I think. I, I just, you know, it's funny because it's like, I, I see like on Twitter, it's like one has to win supreme, right? But they yeah. all three could be great. Like Eli. No, I agree. Ben, you know, I agree. And, and, I, and I think that's what's going to happen here. Um, I agree. Because I, 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 I think Burrow and Herbert are even going to get better. And I think Tua, I, like, I, I think Tua is going to push. I, I Like, so I, I think we're seeing shades of Bama Tua. Yep. Tuscaloosa and, Tua. Yep. And if that is what we get. Because I, I think actually, in retrospect, what happened to start his career is the best thing that ever happened to him because now he's got this chip on his shoulder. Can, I, guy, can I say this to you, Neil? I got to give props to my boy Nick Hicks and what the right. boys did at Perform. Have you noticed – because I know you remember me telling you this. I don't know whether I told you on air, but I told you privately. But you remember I told you I had the conversation last year with Nick Hicks where I sent him that, that video of Tua – making that be- that throw to, I think it was like Jerry Judy or Devontae Smith. And I said, that's what we need. We need that torque back. Have you noticed the arc is off his football now? Have you noticed yeah. that? That's yeah, no it, longer well, a floating arc on the deep throws anymore. A lot more torque. Well, dude, in anything you do, and not just football, if you play with confidence, you you, you do something you believe in, you're 100% better at it, right? And, and you're seeing that. I, I, bottom, bottom he's line, swaggy I, to it now too, isn't he? Like, I, I – I think he's going to push top 10 quarterbacks in the league. Yeah, I said top 12, but, I mean, if you go 12 to 10, you're literally splitting hairs because, let's be honest, and I've had this conversation, one to five, you know, one to four, one to five is usually the elite, right? And then from six to, you know, from like six to 12, there's not big gaps in between each guy. You know what I mean? Like, from six to seven, there's not a huge gap. From seven to eight, there's not. You see what I'm saying in terms of that? Like, especially when you get from eight to twelve, there's not a huge gap from your twelfth overall guy to your eighth overall guy. Like, there might be a gap, but it's not like a, a you know a crater sized gap. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I, I, my top seven quarterbacks in football are are baked pretty solidly right now, and I go yeah, Brady. Me. I go Brady, Rogers, Mahomes, Josh Allen. Um. I have Herbert five, Burrow six, uh, and then and then Off I probably what? I probably have Lamar Jackson seven, and then Stafford would probably be my eighth. And, and that's then crazy I'm, to me, bro. Like I'm gonna be honest with you, bro. That's crazy to me that you put you put him above. That, that's crazy to me. You put him above, bro. I mean, uh, above like, Burrow. Yeah, bro. I mean, Burrow went to the Super Bowl, but here's the thing. 
that quarterback I just described, that's what he did on the way to the like that's what he did on the way to the Super Bowl, right? He was efficient with the football, he's careful with the football, he got it to his weapons, he let the defense do their job, and he made plays when they presented themselves, right? But he also showed you in the season he could give you that gaudy, literally, the two five hundred yard games with the five touchdowns. Like and what's crazy to me is I think we can both agree on this. Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa's arms are very similar in terms of like what they can do. You know what I mean? When you're talking about like, like when you're talking about velocity, zip. You know, Tua coming out of Bama had a little bit of a stronger arm. You know, they both were really known because they didn't have strong arms for their ball placement, right? For their accuracy, right? And and, and I would say Tua is a little bit more elite in those areas than him, but he's right there. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, right. like if you look at, like, I used to call him Dome Arm Joe Burrow because he looked like the perfect guy to play inside of a dome with his arm when you when you actually watched him in college, right? And obviously, he's you know he's added some more velocity as mechanics have crispened up in the NFL. They've gotten better. But what I'm sitting here saying is, this is what I go back to to heading into last year, Neil. Bro, heading into last year, was there even really a gap between two and Burrow? I don't know. Really well, he exploded, and he exploded in the back half happened? of the season. Yeah, what happened? Bro, bro oh, you fix the O line, you give him Jamar some Chase. weapons. Yep. Who would have thunk? And what? And and this is what I go back to. This is why I say, why can't the Dolphins be the Bengals, bro? You know, they got Jamar Chase. 100%. We got Tyreek. We got Tyreek. Right. Those two additions. T-, T. Higgins became the number two in football last year. Jalen Waddle is the best number two in football. Tyler Boyd and Cedric Wilson. Well, they're not far off, and Eric Uzakamo might be trying to come for that number three spot. But anyways. And then you look at the offensive line. Last year, they added Riley Reef and Carmen Jackson. Well, we added Connor Williams, and we added Teron Armstead. You know what I mean? And Austin Jackson seems to be looking at – like he's playing at a competent level. Who would have thunk that? Excuse me while I raise my hand because I told all y'all from day one when he hired McDaniel this guy was going to be our right tackle. And then, you know, they had C.J. Usma. Look at the tight end room we got. And, hey, we might not have a Joe Mixon, but if these guys stay healthy, Neil, they could put up – you know, Sony Michelle, Raheem Moser, and um, Chase Edmonds, they can give you Joe Mixon like well, production. Well, not to mention our defense is so much better than what they have. Well, yeah, I was just talking the about mangoes. The yeah, I'm just saying, like, offense, our yeah. team, I mean, I, I agree. And honestly, I know we're not doing predictions. I actually think the Dolphins have potential to be this year's Bengals. I really do. Um, because I, I'm buying into Tua Tungavaloa. And if I'm buying into Tua Tungavaloa, and we've talked about this at nauseum on this show. I, I he was my one B of players I've ever scouted and doing the draft. And you know, I got kind of ribbed online by certain people because I said he was a dark horse MVP candidate, and I think he is. I put money um, on it. I literally yeah, put so, money on. So it. did I. I <laughs> actually talking to Nick Hicks. I sent him a screenshot of it Saturday, actually. Um, but long story short, like if Tua gets to that point. I, I'm telling you, this team is dangerous. This team looks good. Um, the old Dolphin teams would have went down to this Tampa Bay thing and just got embarrassed. They, they would have expected to get their ass kicked, and they would have got their ass kicked. Right. Like, yeah. you know what someone said today in one of their training camp reports? Look at where Austin Jackson is today compared to – do you remember how he's getting destroyed by Akeem Hicks and everyone in Chicago last year? Yes. In well – and not just him. Look at Liam Eikenberg. I mean, like, I'm shocked because me and you both, I don't think either of us thought he would be a good guard. And, and look, it's the preseason. We haven't even played a snap of a preseason game. 
But from every account that I've seen, he's held his own all camp. And the Dolphins' defensive front, it, it, it's not the best in football, but it, it, it could be borderline top five because I, I do think Christian Wilkins is going to explode this year. Can't let those I, runs like we did today against Giovanni Bernard happen, though, my friend. Yeah, no, I, I think we have some help needed at linebacker probably. But I, I think Ogbo, Wilkins, Raekwon Davis, Zach Sealer, I mean, that is good. And then you have – you know, I know the edge outside linebacker, but you got Melvin Ingram, who's very versatile. He's actually stout yeah. against the run. Van yeah. Ginkel plays the run really, really well. I mean, like, you know, I, the defense. What did what, you think about Melvin Ingram being higher up on the depth chart? Because that's one thing I actually am reading. One of the few things I'm reading into, you know, I do believe that Melvin Ingram would be the starter today over uh, uh, ABG if, if oh, for the season I, I think they signed him to be the starter. And and I think he's better than Andrew Van Gogh. Bro, Van <laughs> Phillips coming off the edge, bro? Come on. Well, and and Come so we're talking on. about – we're talking Wilkins, about Wilkins Davis and uh, Ogba inside, and you can rotate in Zach Seiler and John Jenkins has been dominant in camp. Oh, my God, bro. Well, and, and we're talking about Tua taking the next step on offense because I think he does. And I yeah. think Jalen Waddle takes the next step. But on the defense, the guy that I am buying, and I'm telling you – 13 to 15 sacks is Jalen Phillips. I think Jalen Phillips is going to be oh, a, a game changer. I'm on record saying he's going to become a top 10 edge player this year. And I said by next year, I'm on record. Um, I said by next year, he will be in the conversation with the Miles Garrett and the Nick Boses. Uh, uh, dude, again, you're talking about dark horse candidates. So a dark horse is a guy that's a, a long shot, right? Like not yeah. a complete. Yeah, yeah. If the if everything fell into place, right, I could see him legitimately becoming a defensive player of the year candidate this year. I That's agree. How I, I I think. I mean, because you got to look. If you look around this team, can I, right? Can, can, I, can, we, can we stay for him for a second? I want to ask you this, Neil. <clears throat> Why did Chase Young get all this love after his rookie season, when the fact is Jalen Phillips had a better rookie season on less snaps than Chase Young? Why does Jalen Phillips not get that same love, bro? Because it's you know, a great I, question. You know, when I did my uh, when I did my um, big board, my edge big board that year, you know, I had Jalen Phillips as number two, I had Aziz Ojolari as number one, and I said, you know, Jalen Phillips would be number one if he didn't have the injury history because I did not know about Aziz Ojolari's combine check yet when I did my big board. So if they would have been on an even playing field, Jalen Phillips would have been my number one guy, right? <clears throat> but when you looked at his production in college, when you matched that with his combine numbers and his testing numbers, he was literally the third Bosa brother. Like, you know, the parallels between him and Nick and then him and Joey, he was literally the third Bosa brother. And I said, if he did not have that injury stuff at UCLA, I think he would have been drafted and as highly touted and, and the likes of Chase Young in that draft. A top five pick. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's what he was supposed to be, man. He was the number one ranked player in the country. I mean, like not – I mean, he was the rated the best high school football player when he went to UCLA. He's got unbelievable twitch. He's got natural size. His movement I know you skills, wanted Najee. Would you still want Najee? No, 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 no. Not at this point at all. Uh, and yeah. I, I love Najee Harrison. Yeah. Um, He's still going to no. be a beast. Najee's going to be a beast. In I, I, I love the Jalen Phillips. I, I honestly think that if you take the Marino draft out of it, 
And I know there's the one where we got Zach Thomas in the fifth round and we got Jason Taylor in the third. I mean, there's been some good drafts. So I'm not going to yeah, do if anything. Yeah, if Eichenberg hits next, last year's draft, is going to be kind of out of this world. Hitting Top all the five, right? Players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Top yeah. five in the history of the franchise? I mean, like, it, it might even, like yeah, that. it might even go, yeah, it might even be top three, bro, because might, it might even go down as the best because, you know, if listen, the top three picks could be all pros, and the fourth guy, if he doesn't even need to be a pro bowler, if he's just a really sturdy, good guard, that's a freaking, like, that's a whole, like, two right. offensive players and two defensive players knocked out like that, like, that's really, and even this trap looks like it might be something, bro. Uh, right. I wanted to ask you, Neil. Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about this allegation stuff real quick because I want to ask you this question. Yeah. So the Ross allegations, uh, we all know what they are with Flores and such. NFL comes down, you know, um, uh, ironically, uh, Stephen Ross is suspended until October 18th and he'll be able to come back when we play the Steelers. <laughs> and then, um, you know, Bruce Beal suspended from uh, meetings, uh, NFL meetings for the year. Now Ross, and they both, um, Beal was fined 500000 Ross was also fined, what was it, $1.5 million. Um, both, um, now the words come out tonight as we are recording um, that Stephen Ross is now in the process. He's, uh, he's notified the NFL. He's taking Bruce Beal as a succession plan. And it's going to be his daughter. So we can talk about the Ross stuff. I'm going to ask you about a Bridgewater question and you can head into the Ross stuff. My feeling on the Ross stuff is simple. I feel Ross and Beal should have both been fined $10.5 million. I think Ross should have been suspended for the season. And then I think Bruce Beal should have had the NFL should have revoked his succession plan. His right to first refusal should have been revoked. But I think... They kind of did, but just behind the scenes, they put the pressure on Ross. And the reason why I say that is because, yes, you know, they said what they said about the tanking, that the conversations did happen, but there were different accounts of what was said and whether it was to be taken seriously. And, you know, they made they passed it off as, oh, it was said in a joking matter. Nothing was brought up about it after Flores emailed everyone about it. So they basically admitted it. He said it. And then with the tampering stuff that they hit us for, they found us on, th on three different tampering charges, obviously. Uh, two with Brady, one as a Patriot last year as a Buccaneer. Both were admittedly through Bruce Beal, and he was keeping everyone in the loop, i.e. Stephen Ross. And then the third one was they contacted Sean Payton before Sean Payton was even announced he was leaving the, uh, the uh, New Orleans Saints, and they had a backdoor conversation with him. And the worst thing about it is you got your hand caught in the cookie jar three times and you didn't even get a cookie out of it. Right. But anyways, right? So anyways, I digress for a sec. So my feeling is they should be punished because they're the idiots. Our team, these fans, these players shouldn't be punished with the draft picks. It should be the harshest and stiffest of penalties on those two jabronis. That's how I feel, okay? That's why Beal should have been kicked out and Ross suspended for a year and their fines should have been over $10 million each, all right? Anyways, um, and the reason where I got that $10 million too, Neil, is I've heard, one of, and I know there's been new developments and now they're talking about like eight games and they fine or whatever, but I heard the uh, Roger Goodell does not want Deshaun Watson to play. They want at least 12 games because he doesn't want them to play the Texans. So they were saying, hey, we'll give you a 12-game fine – 12 game suspension and you pay 10 and a half million 
or a full season suspension and you don't pay basically a big fine at all. So I took that $10 million and I said, let's put it on these owners or whatever, right? So anyways, my whole thing is now you got to recoup the first and the third round picks, right? If Teddy Bridgewater, if someone goes down and there's a backup year or whatever, would you trade Teddy Bridgewater for a fourth, a fifth, or a sixth because of what they're getting out of Skylar Thompson right now? Because, Neil, I don't think Skylar Thompson, especially after today, is going to the practice squad. Someone's going to scoop him up. Right. Uh, I'll start with the Stephen Ross stuff, and I'll be quick, too, because I'm tired of talking about it. Yeah, it's, it's, so, what, what, it's such a dolphin thing, Neil. I'm Bill, Bill Ross are, are a complete clown show. An utter embarrassment. I think both of them should have been stripped. I think Stephen Ross should be stripped of the ownership. And the reason I think that is because ever since he took over, right, we had the bully gate situation, right? And that's a blemish on him. And I know that, like, you know, that was out of control between Incognito and Jonathan Martin, right? But, like, the Dolphins have had a lot of unique and it absurd situations. It started with Parcells, though, right, Neil? Because remember right. the divide started in the building with when he took over when we had Parcells. They had a divide, and Parcells was being told he had to answer to this person. When Parcells' original deal was he didn't have to answer to anyone. And then it started leaking out into all these different things. But it really started when Parcells was in the building and Ross took over the team. Well, then you had the Brian Flores, Minka Fitzpatrick, you know, scuff. And, you know, you, you spend a number 12 overall pick on a guy who's arguably any way you slice it, a top five safety in football. And you got Austin Jackson for him because you hire, you know, you hire a coach that is an egomaniac and doesn't understand that you, you got to be a player's coach in situations. But I, I think they're an embarrassment. And, and to your point about the cookie jar – and like, let, this has nothing to do with Tua, and I know a lot of people make it, but this is before Tua. In 2019, when they started talking to Tom Brady, right? And we've seen what the Buccaneers have enjoyed since then. We could have been experiencing that, right? Because we would have had Tom Brady, and we could have had, what, three first-round picks in that draft and not had to use one on a quarterback. I mean, it, I, and it's easy to play arm, you know, armchair quarterback here, but like, how do you flirt with this and never make it happen but get your team penalized. Like you had a guy who's the best of all time who wanted to be your quarterback, but you can't even execute. Like I, I just, I, I, I don't even want to talk about these guys anymore because it's so damn mind boggling. Cause we as fans and this team, the players that invest their time in it suffer because that is losing a first round pick is a huge, huge blow. I, I look, I, I don't care how you slice it. If Tua pans out and he's the top 12 quarterback, like we're saying, and you have two first-round picks, and you fill a need with one, and then you say, you know what, we have the luxury, so let's add B. John Robinson to this team, that's a game-changer. And that is why this pisses me off so bad. But it is what it is. Thank God, you know, for all those people that want to trade back and get the extra pick for the 49ers when we got Jalen, Jalen Waddle and an extra first-round pick. I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, Chris Greer deserves another tip of the cap I, I, for that. But – to the Bridgewater question, first of all, Skylar Thompson is going to make this team. Um, I, he, he's going to make the team. I, you can't put him in the practice squad. He's going to get taken. He's just been playing too good. And, and it's not Dolphin beat writers are saying that. Read the Pewter report. Read the guys that are covering the Buccaneers. They're shocked how good he looked. I think they're going to keep three quarterbacks. And, and I, I think Bridgewater is going to be here to stay because we can't ignore the fact that Tua Tungvaloa has to stay healthy. And with this roster, a rookie like Skylar Thompson – isn't going to get us anywhere. I, I just don't think so. I think a veteran like Teddy Bridgewater, the team would respond well to. So I think you need that get out of jail free card 
you know, in your pocket. Um, hopefully we don't need him. But he's um, been outperforming Teddy. Like, I mean, look at – Oh, Teddy didn't look that good. In, in the first two joint pra- – in the first practice of joint practices, he threw two interceptions on 11-11s. Ele- two hasn't thrown one either day. But also, Teddy – you know, Teddy – I know Teddy had this really good past weekend where he put in, like, three of his best practices of camp. But even in OTAs, he's been pick central, bro. This guy's been throwing them left and right. Well, I mean, well, I don't know. Let's alarm, let's alarm all those people that make those quarterback rankings, right, and that have two at 40 and Bridgewater at, like, 28. I mean, it hasn't even Chris been close. Did. Yeah, it hasn't even been close. I mean, it really hasn't. And, and that's where I'm really – because I respect Teddy Bridgewater a lot, actually. So do I, I. I think he's – you know, I thought we got the best backup in, in football, but he just – you know, he's, it looks like – it sounds like – but it sounded like he was coming on last weekend, and now they held him out today. And apparently, Tua might not even play on Saturday. It might be the Skylar Thompson show. I'm all for it. Out, and what they I'm held Teddy out today, I mean, uh, I would have liked Teddy to get some work too, you know? Yeah, but I, I'm with you. I, I like to see Skylar Thompson. Because I, I think if, you, if you're forced to keep – I like him coming out of Kansas. His well, just, let, the only issue from him was his touch and his accuracy on the intermediate – and the deep levels left a lot to be desired. But what I've been saying to training camp and OTAs is it seems like he's been working on it because it's gotten better, clearly. Well, like, look, that, one of my favorite strategies in the draft is that in, in the sixth or seventh round, you always take a quarterback, right? You develop and, him and trade him for a pick. Well, like, look, everyone gave the, the Patriots a bunch of crap when they took Bailey Zapp, Zappi uh, this year because they had Mac Jones. And I was like, oh, dude, that, that's, how, that's how good franchises become great. Well, look, at the, that's what they did with – Jacoby Brissett, that's what they did with Jimmy G behind Tom, right? You develop right. the guys. And you get picks. Yeah, exactly. It's smart, this is, bro. This, it, it's an, it, you know, the more assets you have, the more dangerous you get. And, and I think that, so I'm all about seeing it. And, and, you know, as we get into this this preseason game, you know, the NFL preseason's changed a lot, right? Like, uh, you know, you used to get to see the starters for a good first quarter in the first game, you know, but. I, I, I think you play it cautiously. I think that's the right way to do it. But, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to a lot of things, man. I, like, like we have a really good battle, right, for the number four running back. Bro, I'm not worried about number four running back. I'm worried about this center situation because me and you haven't talked live about this or we, uh, we haven't even actually, I think, talked about this yet. Snaps. Not snaps. Bro, we got twenty million. Uh, well, I know the Shaheen trade got reversed today, so we had to give back the sixth rounder to the Texans, and they gave us back Shaheen in the seventh. Oh, goody! He'll be he'll be cut in the next forty eight hours. Yeah, but okay. Here, here's my thing, dude. Um, why are I think we'd all be fine with Connor, you know? back at left guard and Eichenberg being one of the better swing guards we could have. Cause the thing is we have no depth right now too, right? If you look at our depth, like, you know, the, the fact of the matter is Larnell Coleman's been getting his ass whooped by, um, you know, the front seven of the bucks the last two days. And he's the guy who might look like he steps in if not great. Cause Greg Little has been not been good this camp. He looks like the guy that might step in if Taron Armstead misses his usual few games a year and that's a very, very scary thought. Yeah. I've heard I've heard Robert Jones looks like our best backup guy right now. I've heard that too. I've heard that but, too. But but my my whole thing right now is, you know, you know, Matt Paradis is out there. I know he'll be healthy for the beginning of the regular season, but look at I know he's like 32 or whatever, but look at the success he had in um the, the outside zone blocking scheme with uh Philip Lindsay, you know, a couple of years ago in Denver, right? When Philip Lindsay had those good years. Um 
you know, I, I, I've been, you know, you know where I've stood on Treader, you know, in terms of I've heard the things I've heard about the money, the yeah, practicing and stuff. Here. I don't, that stuff ain't, that ain't happening. But you look around the landscape in the NFL, like, you know, they should be trying to pull a trigger and, and, and there has to be, because I mean, hey, they brought in three centers um, last week, literally Tom, Dick, and Jerry. Um, and, and, you know, basically show me a list of guys you don't want to compete for the starting job without showing me a list of guys who don't want to compete with the starting job. I don't like how they're treating the most important position on the offensive line like it's running back. You know, Connor Williams, if you just get competent, like if we were to find a backup who's been in the league for six or seven years, but he's a competent backup. Like I know Ted Karras has been elevated to the, the starting the starter in that rejuvenated Cincinnati offensive line, which looks really good this year. Um you know, someone of that level is what I'm talking about. You know, like well, a, a second guy, a, a second, a backup guy that you could upgrade to a competent center. I feel like if that guy walks in through the front door, Connor's going back to left guard and Eichenberg's going to left bench, and they don't want that to happen. And well, my whole issue is here is why force it? Because we're turning into, in this West Coast offense, you are timing and rhythm based. Sure, the snaps aren't in the dirt. They aren't – well, Tua had to dive on one today. But they're not shooting over the head 20 yards. But they're high. We've seen Tua have to jump multiple times. And that's going to throw up the timing and the rhythm of this offense. And sure, the timing and the rhythm doesn't have to be perfect on every play. But you know what's going to happen. It's going to happen in the worst of times where we do need that rhythm and timing down. And it's going to end up being Tua having to fall on it for a sack. And, right. you know, and we settle for a field goal instead of a touchdown. And it ends up biting in this. Like, why play with it? With Connor Williams and Teron Armstead, I don't care what anyone tells me, especially in the run game, you can have one of the best left sides in football, let alone the AFC, but let's split it up and tinker with it so we can slot Eichenberg in there. Come on, man. Like, why are we playing these games right now? Is what I'm saying. Like, so okay, let me ask you. So, are you not? So, you because I've heard that Connor Williams has looked really good at center besides the snap. Like, I've heard he's done a really good job with, yeah, the day I, I've heard that. I've heard that stuff too. But guess what? How good do you think he'd look at left guard? Answer well, here, 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 let me. Here's my here's see. I, I don't know necessarily we sign a center. You know, here's a name that I, I'm really interested in who's out there, and he's another Dolphins cast off because of Brian Flores. But Eric Flowers, and let me explain. He played pretty damn well when he was in Miami, but we we moved him and we saved a bunch of cap space. And he did not you know, play well, my friend. He, yeah, look, I think he has good versatility. Where I he broke down play. his tape every game, like he but was when not you, good. you're looking at a guy who's going to make what two million dollars a year, who's going to be well, he better not be making the ten million we paid him. When we paid what? him that money, I almost fell out of my. Freaking yeah, fair. I, I agree because I think we paid him what eight million a year or something nuts. Yeah, it was but almost ten million dollars. At, at this point, you know he has good versatility because I I agree the biggest fear of this whole team is offensive line depth. Yeah, because uh, because the reality of it is is as good as Eichenberg and Jackson have looked so far, the likelihood is that one of them won't be great or won't be and good. I, I, yeah, I'm putting my money on. I've heard a lot more positive stuff about Jackson. Then I have Eichenberg. Let's put it that way. Right. Well, you know, and look, you know, you're, you're, you're again, like last year, you know, Eichenberg played, you know, tackle in college. And, you know, now he's learning another. Well, not to say I haven't heard good things about Eichenberg. I'm just saying Austin Jackson has impressed a lot more from what I understand, you know. Right. Right. And, and I know, 
so and in what you're saying too, because I I agree with what you're saying. I, I'm I I don't I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Dieter doesn't make this team. Uh, well, I don't, but, but here's the thing, Neil. You are a competent center away. This line is top twenty. Right now, I think we hover from the twenty to twenty-four range. You add a competent. I, I'm not asking for a Pro Bowl. I'm using the word competent here. You add a competent veteran center, kicks Connor back to left guard. Eichenberg can now be a swing left guard or swing left tackle. Deer can be a swing guard or swing center, right? Then you got uh, Robert Jones, who can be a swing guard or he can play tackle. You know what I mean? It, all of a sudden, that ripple effect gives you that depth. And really, the only position you got, you know, the only side you got to have, you know, the eyes in the set of the ba- set of eyes in the back of the head is off, you know, the right side. Really, and, and not a hunt. You know, you really got to look at the right edge. Well, right? It, it's a shame that the, the J.C. Treader thing wouldn't work out because that's the perfect player. I mean, you're talking about J.C. Treader being the perfect fit, and that way, honestly, like, I, uh, you know, I think if it, Matt Paradis was healthy, he would be the he's the exact. He is not the great player he was a couple years ago, but I think he would give us competent to more than competent play. I go back and watch the film of what he was the center in that outside zone offense that Philip Lindsay had his first two good years in. He right. was the well, guy. Well, let me tell you that one of the underrated signings ha- in free agency is the Carolina Panthers signed Bradley Bozeman to a one year, $2 million deal. Unbelievable. How do you right. like, I, I like, yeah. I, I, I like that would it be, well, you I, know I, the guy I would be targeting right now and not a lot of people know his name. But if people listen to the show who listen watch my channel, they know this name because I've said it so much. Have you ever heard of Keith Ishmael? Yeah, yeah. I would be targeting him right now. He Is he a free had... agent? No, no, he's on the Washington Commanders. Last year, he filled in when Chase Roulier went down. Right. Um. He and he filled in for quite some time. He ended up grading out as a top twenty center in the NFL last year. And they went, and I believe that they added uh, Tyler Larson, I think is some. They added another veteran center, and it bumped Keith Ishmael to the third spot. And he can play guard or center. And I was talking to uh, my guy, Matt Valdivinos, who covers the commanders. And he was telling me that, um, you know, he could be had for like a fifth or sixth or seventh right now. Yeah. I mean, look, here's a good thing, though, is, you know, we haven't got to cut day yet. And whenever you have the fifty-three set, and then like you know, oh, it we got happens. money. We better be. We better be. Any surprise, good players that get cut, we better be spending this money. Because why aren't we even inquiring about Kevin Jenkins? They need Preston Williams or Lynn Bowden. Well, I, I think that. See, I think that's a move they should make. Is Tevin Jenkins for one? Of I'll our tell you right teams. now. If you want to keep Connor Williams at center, I think Austin Jackson in the scheme at left guard next to Taron Armstead. Would be better than Eichenberg at left guard. So is Eichenberg your big concern then? Uh, yeah, I I, I gotta see he. I gotta see my like. Come on, man. So they'll play tomorrow, right? Eichenberg's gonna play. Also, Jackson. It'll be good to see those guys out there. They need this. They need some reps. Yeah, they do need reps. They like, need some I, reps. I need. I need. To see, well, Connor needs reps at center. But here's well, the thing, bro. Here's the thing. Do you not realize we are an injury away to Taron Armstead or Connor Williams having the exact same offensive line as, as last year, just with that, with just with the addition of whichever one of the two is healthy? Right. Like, no. like come on, Taron Armstead's not going to change the whole line. Like, 
He can handle his stuff and hit the left side. He can help out who's next to him. But the guy can't help the right side. The guy can't and, help. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just yeah, so much. The, the guy who's going to show out on Saturday night, and I know you, you're a big fan. You've talked about it for a while. It's Braylon Sanders. I think he's going to be the guy who puts up some impressive stats this weekend. I, I think he's going to make this team. Man, um, until, until River Craycraft started coming on the last Well, week. I mean, like, when you look at that, because I, I agree, like, because because I, w- I would say we all know Hill and Waddle are locks, Cedric Wilson's a lock, Easy E's a lock. We got four locks, right? I, I think Trent Sherfield's a lock. Lock, he's yeah, a, I think he's he, I, I, was, I was told he's a lock in OTAs. I was told he's our new Matt Collins. And that was before the yep. – pat. that was, like, at the beginning of OTAs. So he's right. been a lock pretty much. And because him and Keon Crossan – um, are gunners right now? They're 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 great special teams players. Great, so, not good. Great, yeah. they're great special teams yeah. players. I, and Keon Crossan's our number two slot guy. So, so you say you would agree with me then? It's it's practically Braylon Sanders, River Carcraft, Car- Craycraft versus Lynn Bowden because I don't think Preston Williams has a shot in hell. Yeah, and, and yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, I think I, it comes down to Braylon Sanders or River Craycraft. That's what it's yeah. going to come down to. Because 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 you, you, you could try to stash Sanders on the practice squad. It's not likely that he would get he would stick there. But I I actually think that Lynn Bowden like because I know like I, I had high expectations for him at the time. So I've heard yeah I've heard no burst. Quote. "Quote unquote, no juice." Yeah, I, I heard no burst. I, I was told the same thing, no burst, and, and I don't know what that is. But that, you know, hey, look, I still don't mind the flyer they took on. And look, go out there and prove us wrong, man. Go make some football plays. Like I, th- that's what tomorrow is. Like I, this isn't about how good your team's going to be. This is going to be. This is all about who's going to be forty-five through fifty-three on your roster. That's what this is going to prove and change. And you know, I, I, I would like, I would like to see, honestly. Someone step up and take it. I don't want it to be a close call. Like I like make it easy. And then the guy who should should really get some targets tomorrow, who needs his confidence, is Hunter Long. I I I would really want to see him cement himself as a guy we can rely on as a future starter. Um, if it doesn't happen this year, I'm starting to think it won't happen. And I'm shocked because when we made that pick, Scott Pioli, who I respect a ton as a football evaluator, said that we just drafted another uh, a Pro Bowl tight end. And yeah. I don't know. See, like, because here's the thing is, I'm, I'm not going to draw any conclusions off last year because Brian Flores was an egomaniac who just really tried to overshadow development and growth. And, like, there's all these players. The only guy who was young that flourished under there was three players Phillips, Holland, Waddle. Everybody else kind of, like, had to deal with the wrath of Brian Flores. And, you know. Oh, like, and yeah, there's a the thing you might not have seen, too, because I know you're on your little social media hiatus um did you see the media availability during otas of jalen phillips where he talked about uh the coaching regime and such i i, I didn't see it i i saw the clip i didn't listen to it but i saw it come through a timeline i just yeah but, so what he said was um just because of the coaching staff last year uh he had to, he he sees a confidence coach now um yeah he I, said I, that he said that like you know because of how hard everyone was on him and he said until he started making plays in games he didn't, he didn't really feel feel like anyone was confident in him or believed in him. So, um, yeah, it just shows the level of Brian Flores and how he treats even. Rookies. I really I really wish we could hear what Alandon Roberts said the two on the bench at one time. I I, I yeah. really wish we, I wish we knew verbatim because Alandon stuck around after he left. Right, and he was supposed to be a Flores guy, and like it just seemed. You know what's funny is it seemed like there was a shift in power, and the players back to it, and they knew Flores is full of it. And, you know, we're not going to spend a lot of time wasting 
talk on floors until we embarrass his defense on Sunday Night Football. We'll save it for that. But I, I just think there's a swagger that this team never had under Brian Flores. And, like, Mike McDaniel, man, like, that is what the modern-day NFL coach is. It's a guy who has authority, knows when to use it, but doesn't abuse it. And I think what you see is, you know, some people might call that a player coach, right? But it's not necessarily the way it is. The goal of a coach is to put their players into positions of strengths, utilizing people's strengths. That's what you do in anything you do when you're a leader of anything, right? So let's let this offense, like, right? So what was Tua's strength, right, at uh, Alabama? Throwing receivers open, accurate, cerebral, right, and letting his receivers make chunk yards after the catch. So what do you do? You go out and get the most dynamic receiver in football to pair with your home run pick in Jalen Waddle, and you have, dude, I, they have the best receiving core in football. That's what I think. I, I think they have the best wide receiver core in the whole NFL right now. And once you start getting a couple of those chunk plays, reason you know, and you're making those throws, and Tyree Kill can bring one you might throw a little bit off with one hand in. You know, because, like, there's so many times where Tua made a good throw, but we didn't catch it. You know, like, I, I can't even – like the Jakeem Grant one that we've seen numerous times against Cincinnati, right? And I do feel bad that he tore his ACL because, like, it didn't work. I, he was a good player here in Miami, and I hate to see anyone go down like that. But, like, damn it, man. Like, it's good to see people that are, like, pissed off for greatness. Like, getting Tyreek Hill is seriously the single best move in – my lifetime as a Dolphin fan, because I think that the swagger this team is oozing, that dude went out there and put his name onto a tongue of Aloha. So the bullets are flying at Tyreek. He distracted the media from piling on the two, and it was about what Tyreek was saying, what, what Tyreek was saying. And it's such a damn smart move. It actually reminds me a lot of in 2000 when the Ravens were in the Super Bowl and Ray Lewis was going to, under those murder charges and all that stuff. And Brian Billick literally stood up and took all the questions and Ray Lewis didn't have to stand in front of the podium. And it's like beautiful to see that we have a player who came here, right? Like the Jets wanted Tyreek Hill just as much as Miami. Tyreek wanted Miami. And look, he can be positioned in this because he wanted to be there. He got paid, whatever that is. He's a smart dude, right? He knows he's got a brand. He wants to get the football and he came down here and everything since Tyreek Hill has gotten here has changed for the positive. Right. And he's got some questionable off field shit in his past, man. Stuff that I don't believe in that I think is awful. But everyone deserves a chance at redemption. And this guy is the first pure leader we've had on this offensive side of the football in a long, long time. Like, I, how, how excited are you for Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? Like, are you not, like that is not only the strength of our team, that is going to be what, like, the average football fan who doesn't care about the Dolphins, but they still want to watch Sunday Night Football because they want to see Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't had offensive superstars like that in a long time, man. Maybe Ricky Williams? Yeah, that, that would be the last one. We all thought Mike Wallace and Brandon Marshall would be those guys. Never um, panned they out. They obviously didn't. You know, Mike Wallace could only really run nine routes. So, um, yeah, I, I like, you know, it's crazy to think every day like that. Let's talk about training camp, training camp, and let's talk about uh, joint practices um, specifically today. The second day of joint practices with the Bucks, where two was just absolutely cooked, and 
that one throw over the middle to Tyreek Hill that he won that he made the one-handed snag on. We've all seen the clips. If you haven't, hey, Joe, check out Inside the NFL. I played. You know, I had people boots on the ground sending me videos from today, and which has been crazy because I, you know, without being at training camp, you know, I've had people literally sending me. I've seen every throw from Tua in one-on-ones and eleven-on-elevens during camp. So it, it's been awesome. Thanks to everyone who's been supporting and, and emailing me and sending me all this stuff and hooking the boy up. But I digress again and go back here for a sec. That throw to Tyreek Hill today, man, if you watch it, you slow it down. And oh. you look at it, did that, the anticipation. And, you know, he was throwing to a spot. And he trusted his guy was going to be there. And it just shows in the short time the chemistry and the timing that Tyreek and Tua have got down. And I've always praised – Tua's ability to get his timing down with wide receivers has always awed me. Um, you go look at what he did in Alabama. He could throw to a 4-2 guy, then throw to a 4-4 guy, then throw to a 4-5 guy, then go back into the 4-2 guy. And the t- it would always be in stride, you know, perfect, perfect, right in the bucket, teardrop. And you look at it, you know, you look at body, it seems like he's fully, you know, he's fully healthy again. It seems like, you know, the mechanics – you know, he's getting – he's back to throw – he's used to throwing with that hip. You know, it seems like he's, it's more natural and comfortable for him. It looks like he trusts his body more. and He arcs off the football. There's more torque and velocity behind his footballs now. And that keyhole accuracy has been showing up against our own defense and against, you know, against um, against the Bucks. And Because you can go back, you know, X. Sure, X could lock down Tyreek in one-on-ones, but X wasn't able to lock Tyreek down like that in 11-on-11s when we get on space and get more bodies out there. And one thing I've been loving is the constant misdirection and the motion and, right. you know, setting up these keys. You know, I love what our offense looks like. The run game, obviously, has only been a few joint practices and training camp. The run game looks like it's still a work in progress. Um, but... Dude, I, honestly, man, when you look at that throw to Tyreek today, you know, here's the one thing. I put together a compilation up inside the NFL of all his best throws of training camp so far before we got into our joint practices. And you know, it was almost eight minutes of throws. And you you look at and – th- and that stuff, you know, people were sending to me. And then you look at today, the, the, all the throws that came out today, there was a, a ton of good throws today. It's like Tua just looks – he just looks n- – I don't even know if Tuscaloosa Tua does it justice. He looks like the game's slowing down from a little bit. He looks like he's in command of the offense. He looks like he's confident. He he just looks like he's arriving right now, and I'm hoping it's going to translate into the preseason games when he hits the field and obviously into the regular season when it starts. But this is a totally different – it looks like he's – as a player and a person in front of the camera – since Flores has left, it looks like he's come out of his shell. Well, what a coincidence, huh? Well, and there's an actually an offensive scheme here, right? We're not just throwing darts at a board. Yeah, we're not just a Dan Gilly ISO well, offense. And then well, there's last good, there's, year, guys who don't know their ass in their face. Well, there's good news and there's great news, right? The good news is that the chemistry that Waddle, Tua, and Tyreek have right now is sensational. And it's a testament to how hard they work together in the offseason. And the great news is, with time, it's going to get even better. Like, that's the thing that's awesome. Like, like when we draft Jalen Waddle, right, I, I don't think people understand this. 
that dude is a dog. Like he is uh, not just some fast dude that plays wide receiver. That dude works his ass off. That guy with the NFL future on the line was out there hobbling in a game. He should never been on the field making catches. Like that dude's a warrior. That's a guy you want on your football team. He loves the game of football. Tyreek Hill, dude, that guy doesn't ever stop working. I don't know if I've ever seen a dude that size have that type of definition in his body. Like he is fucking jacked, man. His arms, like that dude puts in the work too. And then two all off season, we've had a peek behind the curtain because of Nick Hicks, right? And like, you know, I like I appreciate that because we get to see that this dude isn't just sitting there. Like, you know, these commitment issues that we've heard in the rumors. and Tua has worked his tail off to get this opportunity right, right? And, man, it's something special when you can watch those videos and you hear the crowd erupt when Tua makes those plays, chanting Tua. Tua Tungavaloa has a chance to be Miami's next Dwayne Wade. And that dude, I'm telling you, man, there is something there he is back on track to where we thought he was going to be. And, I mean, dude, this guy could be the biggest story in football this year. I really think. I mean, have you noticed how Omar's kind of, like, Omar. He looks so good, Omar's leaving. <laughs> no, but Omar, Omar's obviously always been a believer in Tua, but he's also been one of his harshest critics. Right. And he's been praising him. I mean, I don't know if you heard, but he always said, the best quarterback he ever saw in practice was Fitzpatrick because he's slinging around and he would never hit the ground. He said, Tua looks like he's almost there. Well, dude, I, I got to hold a Colin Coward's Christmas list and he wants a freaking Tua Tungalova jersey now. Like, the guy who bashed him every morning, every son, every morning, Tua sucks, Tua sucks. Now he's about Tua. Tua's changing, turning the corner. I mean, dude, I'm telling you, it's going to be the biggest story in football. It's going to be such a fun ride to be in as a Dolphin fan. This team consistently won nine and ten games with a horrendous offensive line, no weapons, and a coach that didn't believe in his team, and inconsistent play on a week-in, week-out basis. They've added literally Tyreek Hill on the offensive side of the ball. They've added an all-pro quality left tackle. They have Connor Williams, sure. They definitely should get a veteran in there to, to solidify that line. I mean, they've gotten three running backs on this roster that would have been our bell cow last year. Adding Melvin Ingram, that is an underrating move. Like, he is a good, good football player. I, I watched him in the postseason, and I was impressed by him when I watched him. I was like, God, man, seems like the Chiefs just get so damn lucky that this guy falls in their lap. Now he's a Dolphin, right? Like, you're going to see the continued ascension of J Javon Holland and J.L. Phillips. This Miami Dolphin football team is a very, very good football team. I would say that if you really want to put it into perspective, I think they are the fifth best team in the AFC right now. And they're young, and if they get hot at the right time, they could beat anyone. And I truly believe that. You know, I, I think that you have to say there's teams that are better than them right now. The Bills, I think, are the best team in the AFC on paper. Um, you know, as long as the Chiefs have Mahomes, and I really liked how they solidified that defense, they're a good team. I, I'm a big believer in the Chargers because adding Khalil Mack and J.C. Jackson to an already pretty good defense, getting Derwin James back healthy, and I, I think they'll be a pretty good team this year. I mean, and then the Bengals are, look, they're the defending AFC champs. Other than those four teams, Reason, who 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 would you bow down and say is a better team than us? Well, I wanted to say something here. You know, you said something there, I'm getting hot at the right time. 
I'm hoping, you know, we're good for the most. I hope we get hot at the end of the season and we're in a position to make the playoffs when we get hot because that's that's what you want to happen. Get Start to get really hit your stride before the playoffs start when you're already a playoff team. That's what makes the championship team. Um, you know, my whole thing is, you know, you look at, other than Jason Jackson, you look at the big key pieces on the Chargers defense, Khalil Mack, Derwin James, even Joey Bosa a little bit. Consistent health concerns, right? Um, and we've seen that defense without Derwin James, and it's night and day without a healthy Oh, Derwin yeah. James. Oh, yeah. Oh. Um, you know, and then for me, the Bengals, I'm expecting a little bit of a Super Bowl hangover because I think we're going to walk in there on Thursday night and beat the crap out of them. I love it. I love that. Hey. I'm expecting – a Super Bowl hangover for them. They overachieved. Let's call it a spade a spade. They overachieved. All right. No one oh, had yeah. the, 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 what they achieved last year on paper. That looks like a team that would achieve it this year. You know what I mean? Like, so hey, you know, maybe they, they better get Jesse Bates step. in camp. They better get JC Bates squared away. Their offensive line is even better than what they were last year. So, you know, well, Collins. you know, I, I do think we were a playoff team though. So, um, you know, it's just time will tell, bro. Yeah, I'm excited. I look, I, when, I'm excited every season, and I probably say this every season because I'm always excited about this team. I'm very yeah. excited about this football season because I think the Dolphins are legitimately a good football team. Uh, I really do. Um, yeah. I, I, I think if a couple things bounce their way, namely the quarterback being what we think he can be, which yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna know pretty quickly, man, because that schedule. You got the Patriots at home. You go to the you go to Baltimore. You got the Bills. Like we'll know pretty quickly um, what the deal but, is. Yep. But but you know the whole journey though. You can't take the high so high and the low so low. Like Indeed. I'm going to tell you guys right now, he's going to throw an interception this year. Oh, so sure. if, if perfection one fifty eight point three is par, like maybe you shouldn't watch the Dolphins because I mean like you can't expect perfection. I you know. I'm somewhere like 34 touchdowns and 11 interceptions on them for this year, over 4,000 yards passing. Um, so you know, if he hits that, like right, that's a that's a very very good year, right? So I yeah. mean, I, I think that you know, hey, let, buckle up, it's going to be a fun season. For sure. You know, I, I I'm excited about where this team is, and and I do think reason there's one more move coming, and, and I don't know if it's a big splash. I think the reason they're freeing up some of this cap is that they got their eye on something. And, you know, I, I you know, the whole, what the, the Rams have done where they've mortgaged the NFL draft as a way. The top to of the in, NFL draft. Yeah. The top of the draft. Right. To make it proven football players. Right. Because I like the draft more than anyone. I really do. And I love having a ton of first round picks, but man, if you look at like the Tyree kill trade and you look yeah. at it in three years, right. It go circle and star the two names that were drafted in the positions of the picks that we gave to Kansas City. I guarantee you, and I don't even remember it was what uh, was it uh, Trent McDuffie who who I actually like. Or no, it was uh, George Carlaftis, who I like. Um, he'll never be the player Tyree Kill is, and I, I'm just saying like like I don't mind the philosophy f f draft picks go get me stars, but then. Yeah. You gotta be you gotta be strategic on who you go after, when and how. I mean, like, cause we talked real quick. We'll wrap with this. Like, before we jumped on, we were talking about the Roquan Smith thing, right? And you know that guy's gonna cost anywhere from fifteen to twenty million dollars a year to bring in and reset the linebacker market. 
good football player. I'm sure he would love to come down to Miami. I, I you know, like hell, got he's got uh, a Georgia boy and Shannon Tindall that he could groom right behind him, right? So, I, I mean, he would he would probably welcome that chance. I, it, it gets dangerous with that, but like you know, I do think that if if the Dolphins see something out there, they're see, not going to that, that that twenty million is like. And a, a elite offensive lineman and a really good depth offensive lineman, though, when you actually like break the money down, right? So. No, no, it, it is. I and, and you know who knows? I like who knows what shakes out, man. Like there's always disgruntled players that come free. Like there's yeah. always something. And 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 look, we're we haven't even started the preseason official. Uh, well, I guess we did tonight. Um, it's you know we have started, but like I, I think I want to put that. There. It's time to put that money into the offensive line. That's where that money needs to go. We've uh, put a lot of money into our defense right now. You put that money into the offensive line. That's where clearly it's needed right now. Like, I don't know what else to say. So, I mean, Connor, you know, if you can get a a center that can move Connor back to left guard and you can automatically, you know, if you find a guy competent enough to do that, you're talking about a top 20 offensive line in year one and what's it going to be in year two. So here's a question. So, so saying that, because here's a guy that I don't know what the appetite for him was, but we could have had him if we didn't trade for Josh Rosen. Eric McCoy from the Saints is a center yeah. out. Yeah. Would you trade a second round pick this year and your other third next year, the one you got well, from the so Patriots? This, this ties back to, to the Ross thing. I find it hard to believe they didn't have someone in the building that knew that didn't know that something was coming down to this magnitude and didn't notify them. I would have been trying to move that first round pick for, right. You know, I, I think we knew they were going to come for a pick, right. If we got caught. So, you know, man, I would have been trying to move that from, I would take Eric McCoy because they got Cesar Ruiz. They could just slot him into center. Well, yeah. And, and that's kind of what I was thinking. Like I, I like could a guy, like I know we were high on Cesar Ruiz. Yeah. Oh, I, I know. I, he would have been a great pick too. But no, man, so we'll see. I mean, look, this is only the first week of season two of Fin Too Deep. We'll be back here next week diving in, talking about the preseason game. And look, we know this. The Dolphins will get something else in the news. We'll be There'll be something we didn't have on the radar to talk about, you know, that will pop up in the next few days. Like, you know, hopefully it's good news. You know, here, here's what, you know, I, I, and the thing about the NFL preseason for me is I just knock on wood, man, stay healthy. Stay healthy. Yeah, don't, sure. don't have anyone go down for – uh, I remember watching WWE SummerSlam with my son in a movie theater because the movie theater here would let you come in and do it. You get the popcorn and everything like that. And I was watching the Dolphins preseason game on my phone. And when remember when Jalen Waddle had like cramps, but everyone thought he got hurt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I was like told my son I'll be like I'll be right back, buddy. I went in the bathroom and I'm like fucking like pacing. I'm like skitting the the sweats. I'm like, and then when he was okay, he came out like waving a towel or whatever. I was like, thank freaking god, I. I just hate the preseason because of that, man. But, like, you know, the thing is, someone's going to get hurt. Hopefully it's not a superstar. I mean, it just happens. Yeah, and football is back at the end of the day. So we'll yep. be back next week to dive back in, fin too deep. Until next time, everyone stay happy, healthy, safe, and blessed. And as always, fins up.